Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And he said, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Mar- Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, to do, chosen the good portion, which will, which will not be taken away from her. So this is the holiday season. As you know, we've probably already kicked off. A lot of you, if you were like, like our family, we've already gone uh, in, in fifth gear with this thing, uh, you know, with the, the coming of Thanksgiving. Uh, but as you already know, our family, um, we start celebrating Christmas around the 4th of July. Like we're lighting fireworks and then it's Christmas time. Let's get the songs going and everything else. And it's, co- it's a constant pushback and it's kind of a, a joke in our house that, yeah, they're going to celebrate Christmas whenever, and I'm just trying to like, hey, can we just kind of be in the moment for a minute? Um, and it's interesting that, we're, we're, that, I, that I'm saying that because of where we're at this morning and where we're going this morning. I'd asked a couple of days ago, I'd, I just reached out to, to a couple of the guys in our church and said, hey, this, this text right here is wrecking me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to, to um, I'm gonna need the power of the Spirit to kind of get through this today uh, because... I, I'm fully exposed when we come to this text. Like I'm, it's all laid bare, and it's not cool uh, for a person who has to stand up here and, and talk to you about these things when it's really you get to watch God just kind of ring me out this morning. Um, so I, I hope that I'm not the only one in the room. But this is a season where many uh, we we're very intentional about family and friends and spending time with one another uh, more so than probably any other part of the year, right? Like we, we, we become very intentional. We're making plans about when we're going to meet with what family and what group of friends uh, throughout the season, throughout the holiday season. Um, and, and so as we do that, there's just like this level of anticipation that builds. And we kind of get that. I know I'm, I'm speaking from, from my perspective, you know, just a level of excitement kind of comes, uh, comes into play where, you know, I'm looking towards seeing my family and spending time with friends and because I'm not, nor, I'm not, a, uh, and I'm not intentional that way normally. Uh, but in this season, it, I, it becomes more intentional. And, and you know, it's, it's dubbed the most wonderful time of the year, and it is. It is because of that very reason. I don't know of any other time of the year where we, we're so intentional about being in community with one another as we are when we come to these holiday, um, these holiday times, these days and months where we would sing songs together, where uh, we would, uh, we, you know, for our family, hang decorations together, and that's becoming a full-blown party now at our house. Um, watching movies, those things kind of start running. So all of these things are happening in this season. Uh, but at the same time, if I were to just maybe poll the room and say, and, and ask the question, what is the most stressful time of the year for you? Sadly, what I believe is that this would be the most stressful time of the year. As we talk about it being the most wonderful time of the year, it, it, it adds a lot of stress knowing that we have all these things to do and these things to plan and these places to be and these events to attend. And, and I can say that because that is the case. If Maybe, you know, if, if we're a unique group, maybe not. But in most of the, most of the country, uh, it's been polls after polls and questions after questions. Say, what is the most stressful time of the year? And, and, and the, that answer is, well, when you get into the holiday season, there's so much to do. So much of my resources is being asked of me. I, I, 
it's, it's a lot of pressure. So, yeah, maybe the most wonderful time of the year, but the most stressful time of the year also. And so as we enter into this season, what we would call Advent, um, it's this idea where we want to remember that heaven touched earth, that, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and as a, as a redeemed Savior, as, as the Messiah, as the one to come and, and, and redeem us and to reconcile us back to God. As we try to remember that and participate in all of that, I wonder if this is just another stressful moment in, in our schedule, in our annual um, schedule. And, and to be honest with you, I wonder if we would ask the question, um, would most people say, you know what, it would just be better for us just to get on past this. Like, let's just get to January. Let's just skip all of this, and let's get to January. Because I know some people are like that. I, I'll get like that at times where, you know what, just, let's just get on to the next thing. And I'll talk about that um, in a minute. But I, let me be very honest with you. Um, it's very, very difficult. And I kind of already gave you a peek at this. It's very, very difficult to prepare a message weekend and week out and stand before you and give you a message without feeling hypocritical most times. I just want to be very honest with you. Like, I don't want you to think because we're sharing this, uh, this uh, wonderful truth with you that it doesn't kind of nail us to the wall sometimes. And so uh, it, a lot of times I feel hypocritical when I stand up here and say, here's what, here's what you need to be doing as a family of God. And those things are polar opposite to what I'm doing in my own life. And so that's why I say this one here, it, it, listen, I, I am terrible at slowing down. I'm terrible at slowing down. I don't really know how to do that. And, and so I'm going to stand up here today, and I'm going to plead with you as we get going into this season to tap the brakes, to slow down a little bit, to not busy yourself with so much stuff. And I, I couldn't help but thinking about this when Natalie and I were, she, she sent me a message last night saying, hey, we need to talk about the Christmas store. Uh, we need, our volunteerism is kind of low this year. We kind of really need to uh, uh, kind of put that out in front of our church. And at the same time, I wonder if the reason that's the case is because here's where we are. We're, we're asking you to, to come on in and, and give a hand, but, but I'm going to stand up here and tell you today that if you're in a place where there's no joy, we're going to ask for you to gracefully bow out this year because what we care about most is your heart, and that's where we're going to go um, today. So I, I, I'm just here to tell you that I am one of the most stressed out, busiest people that I know. Like, I, I, and that's who I am, and, and I'm up here, and I'm going to share a message with you about slowing down. So, it, again, remember, God kind of just laid me bare about this as I was going through this. But the reason I feel like this ha we have to go forward with this um, is because I don't think I'm the only one in the room. And so what I hope is that there's others like me. Uh, otherwise, this message would be in vain, and it should have probably just been kept in my, in my home as I studied this. But uh, I, I would hope that there were others like me who could be encouraged after we leave here today with this message. And I'm going to share this with you, and I'm just going to be upfront. I'm going to be exposed in this time. I'm going to share some things with you, and I'm going to become vulnerable with you, and I'm going to open up and say, here's me. Like, here's, here's how it goes for me. And so I want to lead out our time this morning by asking the question, thinking about all of, all of this season and what's going on. Is this really how God intended us to live? 
is this really what God intended for us? That, that we would be a people who are busy and doing things and stressed out and a lot of pressure and just trying to get from one thing to the next. And then whenever the holiday season come, comes, it just, it just compounds the problem. And, this, and the, the big question that just kind of looms over our heads this morning is, does this, is this how God intended it to be? Like, is this how he intended us to live our lives? What we would see in this passage that, that Silas read for us, there are two radically different people. Two people who love Jesus but are radically different in their hearts. With Martha, we see someone who is focused on doing a lot of stuff for God. Like she, that's her thing, right? And then we see Mary who has some, her heart and her desire is just to be with God. Both love Jesus, but they, it fleshes itself out in radically different ways. And Jesus would enter into both of those stories. And Jesus is going to enter into our story um, this morning. Look at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her house. And so you see that, that, that Martha is welcoming Jesus. There's this idea, there's this, this, this hint that, that, that could be that Martha has some type of pre-existing relationship with Jesus. She may or may not know him personally, have met, has already met him once, uh, or, or she might have just heard of him, but to a point where she welcomes her, uh, Jesus into um, her home. And not only that, but she either has the gift of hospitality or she just desires to be hospitable. Uh, you see her immediately just kind of get, get, get her home situated so that Jesus would feel welcome. Um, and I don't think this is too common. Like, put yourself in a position when someone's coming over to your home. You have a, a, some visitors on their way over. I know at our house, it's a mad dash to get everything in order. Like, I don't want you to come home, come to, come to my house and see what kind of wreck we live in. So we're going to clean up a little bit so that you could feel welcome. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to, to, to feel unwelcome. I want you to feel at home. Um, and so this is not uncommon what Martha's doing. She's busying herself trying to make Jesus and his friends feel welcome. And think about those actions that you're clearing and preparing and making everything just right. These things aren't abnormal. And, and your motives and Martha's motives, they're not evil, right? Think about Martha. Her, her desires and her motives, they're not, they're not evil. She doesn't have an evil intent about what's going on. She just wants to serve Jesus. Like, that's her heart. I just want to serve Jesus. He's in my home. I want to make him feel welcome. I've invited him in, and I want him to feel welcome. But what becomes very abnormal is the way her special guest um, responds to her hospitality. It's not very welcome. Martha, I mean, what's going on? Here, look, uh, here we're going to do, we're going to look at person by person. So this means we're going to jump verses and come back to them. And so jump with me to verse 40, if you would. And we'll come back to 39 in a minute. But verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. How crazy is that? That Martha is trying to serve Jesus and instead she's being rebuked by Jesus. She's just wanting to serve Jesus and then Jesus just really gives this unwelcoming response to her hospitality saying, hey, you're busy and, and, and you're troubled with a lot of things. You're anxious about a lot of things. So he doesn't respond very positive to, to her complaint. 
And if you're like me, and you love productivity, and you love efficiency, and you are a, a doer, and you find a lot of value in getting things done, like completing tasks, um, I know for me, I cringed a little bit when I landed here. It's like, ooh, this is uh, not at all the response I would expect from Jesus if I was trying to serve him and do well and, and work hard to, to, to make much of who he is. I wouldn't want this response to come my way, but Martha gets it. And, and here's the deal. If Martha were a person in our church today, we would celebrate Martha. We would, hurt, we would hold Martha at a high esteem, wouldn't we? Like, man, she is always getting it. She's always faithful. She's always there. She's always serving. She's always doing things. She's always busy. We would hold Martha at a high esteem, and we would value her and celebrate her if she were someone in our church. But that's not, the, that's not the response Jesus gave. He didn't celebrate it at all. He rebuked her. Like he shut her down. And he says, listen, Martha, I see what you're doing. And you're not serving me. You're not serving me. You're doing this for yourself. It, it might have started out as you serving me, but you're doing this for yourself now based on the pity party that you're throwing now. Like Martha is, she's going to Jesus and she's looking for her, her own validation and her acceptance and her desire to, to, like, I want my identity to be found in what I'm doing. And Jesus, I'm needing you to validate this. I want you, I want to be accepted by what I'm doing. I'm doing a good thing here. I'm serving you. And, I'm, and you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be the one that's going to take advantage of just kind of sitting around. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get busy. Like, so she's looking for some type of validation for what's going on. And my concern for us as a church and for my own heart um, is especially if you've been around here for any length of time you've probably been engaged in some type of serving some type of um, um, activity or event or volunteerism and it's likely that we all begin serving out of a good heart out of a pure heart like we we want to serve and work and do well but over time we forget why we do that we forget why we serve. We, f- we forget why we, why we spend ourselves on, on kingdom work. Has our serving become less and less about Jesus and even less and less about others and more about ourselves? Like we really need to kind of dig, we really need to be honest with ourselves. And I'm, and I'm asking you, okay, so yeah, we need some volunteers for, for what's coming up, the, 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 um, the blessing that we want to give to our community every year. But here's the deal. If you don't feel like that's coming out of a heart of serving Jesus, then we want you to just take a break this year. And I know that's no way to get volunteer recruits. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we really care about your heart more than anything else. But if you feel like you can, if you feel like in that moment that's an that's a act of worship to Jesus, then please come along. Let's do this. So how do I know? How do, how do, how do I identify whether I'm serving out of a heart that's bent towards serving myself and, and looking for validation for myself, or am I actually serving the kingdom? Am I, am I serving um, Jesus? And so I think it's in our text. Look at verse 40 again. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And the English translation kind of softens that word distraction. This is very um, interesting. Luke would use that word. But what that word literally meant was to be dragged away, to be pulled down, to be overthrown. 
And so it's to be distracted means I'm being pulled away from Jesus. And so Martha was distracted that way. And are you someone who is easily distracted? Are you someone who gets distracted very easy? Like even, even as you're involved with serving in this church, giving your time and giving your resources, have you been distracted from the real reason from why you started? Have you been distracted by that? So for me, um, I'll just kind of open up a little bit and say that distraction is most prevalent for me um, when I'm trying to spend time with Jesus. When I'm trying to spend just one-on-one time with Jesus, that's when distraction just really overcomes and, and drags me away. It, it, that's, that's, when, that's when it happens the most. There's so many things that run through my mind. Remember, I'm a person who I am... I love productivity and efficiency and getting things done and planning and preparing. Like, that's how I'm wired. And so I, that's not always a good thing. And so if I were to sit down and, and, and want to spend some one-on-one time with Jesus, there's so many other things that are competing for my time. There's so many other things that, that I would want to be interested in more than that. And it, it usually wins. Like it usually wins when I sit down and I say, listen, I'm just going to sit in the presence of Jesus without any distraction. And there have been seasons where that's been the priority. And then there are other seasons where the priority has become more about checking my emails, looking at the calendar, planning things that are coming up for our church and all these other things. Like all of those would tend to take a priority at times. And that's not good for me, and that's not good for you. And so that time becomes less and less about meditation and prayer and feasting on the Word of God. And I'm a person who's easily distracted. We are a person, a people who are easily distracted. There's so many things that compete for our time. And they're usually not bad things, right? So those things that are competing for my time, they're not bad things. They're not evil And Martha, she's attempting to do something good here. She's not trying to be wicked or or have ill intent toward Jesus and his company. And in this attempt to do good for Jesus, she becomes completely pulled away and distracted by what she set out to do. And she's not just distracted, right? She, 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 She shows us that she's now like serving Jesus out of this self pity. She, she's just, look at, look at verse 40 again. And she went up to, the, to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help. So now she's like, out of this self-pity, she goes to Jesus and she starts to, to complain. And no one, no one here, not even myself, would describe ourselves as serving out of self-pity. Like, we, we, just, we just don't go there. But, but Martha here is speaking with her attitude. She's speaking in her actions. And do we, do we do that? How many times, just think about this, have any one of you engaged in some type of service and then found yourself complaining that you're having to do this and no one else is doing that and they didn't show up and I'm having to do it all? That's a real thing and it's not so uncommon. And so Jesus points out that, Martha, you're serving out of your self-pity. Like you're being, you've been pulled away and you're distracted. And then now you're coming to me out of self-pity and you're complaining and whining about all of this. And so she's speaking with her attitude and she's, 
She's saying, Jesus, look at me. Look at, look at all this that I'm doing. Don't you appreciate me? Don't you value me? Look at Mary. She's, not, she's being real lazy. She's not being helpful. Like that's her attitude right now as she's, ser- as she's trying to serve Jesus. So it's out of self-pity. And so she elevates herself, Martha does, above her sister. And she's seeking approval. She's seeking acceptance. And, and she just wants to get credit for what she's doing. And so she's like, hey, I'm doing stuff for you, Jesus. Can't you see that? I need, I need, you, I need, some, I need some verbal uh, praise here about this. Can you, can, you, can you give me some praise about this, what I'm doing? And, and, and what happens is she becomes internally frustrated, right, at what's going on. And she puts this whole character out there of, woe is me. Woe is me. And she goes and whines to Jesus. And I wonder, I wonder if... For us, as we serve in these different areas, doing these different things, if, if, if our attitude is one of self-pity when no one notices. Like, if you do something and no one was able to witness it, and you're like, that was for nothing. Or this woe is me, this, this self-pity. I wonder if any of us do this. So Jesus responds to Martha. And this is a good thing. That, that Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled. The fruit of Martha's labor and serving led her down a path of trouble, of anxiety, of worry, of pain. Like that's what, that's what the fruit of her serving got her. And Jesus points that out. And if this is where... If this is where you are in your serving, that as you serve, you've moved farther and farther away from Jesus, then I would say that you're making your service about yourself. That as I do, and as I'm busy, and as I'm working and serving and giving and doing, it's very easy that I could be further and further away from doing that for Jesus, serving Jesus and serving my own satisfaction, my own desire to be validated, to be noticed, to be appreciated. So I don't want you to feel alone. I, I, I was up front with you about this. I, here, here's another uh, uh, glimpse at me. There are times um, in my life where I just look for the conclusion of a season, right? Like there's so many things going on that if I can just get there, if we can just get to that point in our life, if we can get to that season, if we can get to the end of this season, things are going to be better. Anxiety and trouble gets us there. Because, see, Jesus is asking, I want you to be in the season. I don't want you to continue looking toward the conclusion of a season. I want you to be in that season. Because if you're not, if you're just looking toward the end of it, you're going to miss a lot of things that I'm going to do in that season. And so Jesus asked, and that's, that's me, like on the surface, here's the deal. It might look like I'm pretty good at doing a lot of things and managing a lot of stuff. But let me tell you this, here's the truth. Sometimes these are the most miserable moments of my life. And I'm just being very honest with you. When I find myself in those seasons, and I've gone through them quite often, those are some of the most miserable moments of my life. When I think I'm serving Jesus and doing a lot of things, but then I stop for a minute and realize that, 
man, I'm just trying to survive at this moment. I'm just trying to get to the end of this season, and I'm not even existing in the season that Jesus has me in. And so I just want to be honest with you. It's not miserable because of the people I serve. I don't want you to hear that, and, and it's not misery out of the moments that I get to be a part of. It's miserable because my heart becomes focused on me. That's what makes it so miserable, is that I, I, it's all, I'm making it about me. Serving is a way to, for me to receive acceptance and praise, like those, those moments that become about me. And, and I'm not sure for everybody, but I think for me, it comes out of a heart of just not being good enough, right? And that's what most people who push themselves to the limit, if, if, if they would get really honest with you, they would say, it's because I just don't think what I'm doing or what I am is good enough. And so I have to continue to work and plow and push and serve and look for acceptance and look for approval because I don't think that I'm good enough. And so it becomes all about me. And when your heart is in that place, when my heart is in that place, it is impossible to celebrate God and all the things that he's doing in that season. It's impossible to do that. If I'm just pushing and trying to serve me and trying to get to the end of this and busy myself and, and, and become anxious and worry, then I'm going to miss all that God is and all that he's doing in that season. I would hope that as I share, these are real things. I'm not giving these to you as an example. These are real moments that I deal with often. And so what I hope is that I, as I give you a glimpse of some of these things, that, that it's not in vain. That some of you are like, yeah, I feel that. Like, I know what you're talking about. I could put my finger on it, but now I, I see what it is. I would hope that this would be helpful for some, that some of you in this room could relate to this. Because I know exactly what Martha's feeling right now. I know exactly how she's feeling. And we enter into this season, um, this holiday season, and so many things compete for our time. So many things. You're going to have so many opportunities to do so many things, to be in so many places, to be with so many people, to be as generous as you can possibly. There's going to be so many opportunities for you to be in this season and, and to busy yourself with this season. But if you say yes to any of these opportunities, any of these opportunities that come your way, if you say yes to those, what is your heart and your motivation behind why you would say yes? Like that's a question I'm really wanting you guys to ask as you think about busying yourselves with this season. What's your motivation? What's your heart behind saying yes? I know that's normally not in our, our list of things to check off. You know, whenever we, we have an opportunity to do something, we don't consider, well, why would I do that? Like, we don't do that normally. We just kind of jump in or not. But I really want us to explore our own hearts and to, and to determine, why would I do that? Is it because I need some self-satisfaction in this, in this season? Do I need to feel like I matter? That I'm somebody that I contributed or does I just want Jesus to be known? I just want, I want to serve Jesus and I just, whatever, it, whatever he calls me to do. So Martha was 
caught up in the fact that she was serving, right? She was in that moment where I'm serving Jesus. Look, I'm serving. And she completely missed the fact of who she was serving. She, she, she lost sight of that. She could only focus on the fact that she was serving and forgot about who she was serving. And the good news for Martha and the good news for me, and I need this good news often, and the good news for us is that Jesus was not content with just leaving Martha there. And he's not content with leaving me in those seasons where I'm just done and I'm not even focused on him. And he's not content with you being there either. Jesus, he's always up for entering into these seasons of of my life that would lead me to repentance, would lead me to healing and restoration. He's always in those moments for me. And, And it says, but the Lord answered her. See, Martha was complaining. She was whining. She was, hey, I'm, I need to be noticed. I need to be uh, validated here. But the Lord said to her, how incredible is that, that, that in Martha's frustration and in her self-pity, Jesus speaks. He speaks into that moment. And he didn't get to the end of his rope with Martha like, Martha, look, um, I'm kind of done with you and all of this. Uh, it's just really like you've been busy and just trying to you know, just make, slamming the cabinet doors real hard and just trying to make a scene in the kitchen, and I'm really kind of done with it. Um, why don't you just go you know, take a hike? Like That's not what Jesus did with her. He didn't shame her, and he didn't condemn her for where she was. He looks at her, and he speaks into this whining, and he speaks into this pity party that she's throwing. And I, and I want to mention this because I think many of us have this misunderstanding of how God deals with us in these moments, right? Like um, Martha didn't have to get her stuff together. Like she didn't have to better her attitude and clean up her act before Jesus would kind of engage her in this moment. In the mess that she had made, he just kind of stepped into that. He kind of spoke into that as it was. So he didn't say, Martha, you know what? Go and straighten yourself up and come back in here. We need to talk. He stepped right into it. And so He does this for her, and he does this for us. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. I love that Jesus calls her by her name, that he says, Martha, Martha. He says it twice. And you got to understand, like, what Jesus was doing in this moment, that he, he speaks her name twice. He's, imagine that she's in a frenzy, and he's having to shake her and say, Martha, Martha, shake her out of her mess and, and draw the attention off of her and everything that she's doing and draw the attention on him. That's why she, he says her name twice. It's an act of compassion. He's saying, Martha, Martha, stop looking at your circumstance right now. Look at me. He draws the attention off of her and off of her circumstance, and he puts the attention on him. So this was an act of compassion and he draws her attention. And, and the very next thing he does, which is very interesting to me, is very helpful as I study through this, is he tells her the condition of her heart. He gets her attention. He draws the, 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 the attention off of her circumstance and her situation and who she is and focuses in on him and says, I want to tell you the condition of your heart. I want to tell you. And so while it might seem cold and harsh, right, that Jesus is going to break that open and expose that, Jesus has to do this for Martha, and he has to do this for us. 
Like he has to speak in and identify our, the condition of our heart. He has to show us the condition of our heart. Otherwise, we would never see the condition of our heart. Jesus has to do that for us. A light has to be shined in a dark place. Jesus has to expose that in our heart. So she gets caught up thinking she's doing a, a good thing and that she doesn't even realize that it's taken her down this dark and, and lonely, cold, destructive road. And Jesus now is naming her sin and showing her the condition of her heart. And that's the best thing he could have done for Martha. That's the best thing he could do for us is to show us the condition of our heart. The worst thing he could have done with Martha in this moment is like, hey, Martha, you just need to be like Mary. Like, look what she's doing. She's, you just need to act like her. That's behavior modification. And behavior modification doesn't work. It's not, it's not helpful. He addresses the deepest, darkest place in Martha's heart. And he, and he says, listen, I love you too much just to ask you to improve your behavior. I am not going to leave you in that sad place where you just, you're left on your own to try to act right and try to do right. There's a deeper issue going on. So it's not about behavior modification. It's about the condition of your heart right now. And you and I will only be able to see this as a good thing if we're spending time with Jesus. So that's, a, that's a, a big thing to take away today, that the only way that I can receive Jesus exposing my heart, showing me the condition of my heart as a good thing, is if I'm spending time with him, if I know Jesus, if I know how he's dealing with me. If I'm not spending time with Jesus, and I don't know him very, we're not connected closely, then that's going to be a harsh cold, condemning reality that Jesus would do that to me. I can only see it as good if I'm spending time with Jesus. So he exposes our sin this way. And he just doesn't leave us exposed. Right? So he gets our attention. He gets Martha's attention. And he shows her the condition of her heart. And he just says, so go fix that. He just doesn't leave us exposed this way. Look at verse 42. But one thing is necessary, he says. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus also shows Martha that, you know what, Martha, you can have a new identity. This anxiety, this troubled heart that you have, this self-pity, it doesn't have to be the main player in your life. It has the main role in your life right now, but it doesn't have to be. What's better than these is what Jesus would call the good portion. What's better than anxiety and trouble and busyness and worry is the good portion. What is the good portion? Jesus is the good portion. That's what Mary was taking in, sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking in the good portion. It's finding your hope and your value and your identity in who Jesus is and not your reputation, not the things that you're able to accomplish or do. So this was Jesus' call for Martha to repent. He said, listen, I need your attention. Here's your heart. I need you to repent from the condition of your heart right now. I need you to turn, and, and I think we all need a little, bit of, a little bit of a reminder and reinforcement about what repentance is. Repentance isn't just sitting there confessing your sin. Repentance is becoming broken to a point where my sin is now just distasteful. And I desire Jesus so much more over that. That's what repentance looks like. And so he's saying, you, you need to become broken over this attitude and this posture of your heart that you had this condition of your heart. Your heart needs to be broken. Your heart needs to be 
broken. And so this was his call for her to repent. So look at verse 39, backing up, we're going to look at Mary. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So this verse gives us a, a glimpse of how to live a life that is in a rhythm of repentance, right? She is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. And that's the posture that we need. This verse gives us a picture of, of what it's like to know who you are and to know who Jesus is. Where do you stand and where does Jesus stand? And we can see here the first thing that I picked up from this is that Mary, she's just able to rest. She's able to just to, to, to rest because of her posture. And Mary is in no way a perfect person. Um, all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so Mary fits that category as well. But knowing who her identity is found in gives her peace and it gives her rest. Knowing that her, like she is in Christ, that she can have peace and she can have rest, that she is in the presence of Jesus. And we would describe rest in a number of ways. I know I would. Like taking a nap is restful, right? If I want to say I, I'm resting, I'm taking a nap. Or I need a rest, so we're going to go on a vacation. Or I need a rest, so I'm just going to take a break. Like that's how we describe rest. And those are certainly ways of resting, right? But they're all physical ways of resting. And anytime the Bible refers to rest, it's referring to something that is restorative. It's referring to something that's restorative, like this kind of rest that you and I need most. We don't need another nap. We don't need another vacation. We don't need to take another break during the month. We need to, we need to sit down at the feet of Jesus and rest in a way that is restorative, restorative to our souls. That's what kind of rest the Bible speaks of. That's what it means to Sabbath, to take a Sabbath. It means that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rest in the presence of Jesus. It's not just a physical kind of rest, but it's a restorative rest. And here's the deal. Rest isn't so much about the circumstance in our lives. So like, busy, 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 I need a rest. That's, that's saying that rest is something associated with the circumstance in our life. The Bible would say rest is a condition of the heart. Rest is a condition of your heart. And so when you rest, it's a restorative kind of of rest. So many of you might uh, be wrapping up some vacation from work right now, or you might be looking forward to some vacation that's coming your way, like that's normally when most people take vacation time. And so you're just kind of looking, looking for, this, uh, for this time to come, or you're just getting off here, and so um, it's a day off here or there, some kind of way to rest. And it usually looks this way for me, right? Head down, go, 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 get it all done before vacation. Got a lot to do, Got to finish a lot because I'm going on vacation and I don't want to leave a lot of stuff undone because I'm a person who likes to complete tasks. I'm a, I'm a task master. Right? I, I shared that with you. So leaving stuff undone is just not going to happen. So we've got to get that done, work long hours, get it done so we can have our, our time off. The problem we normally run into with this is more work. The problem we normally run into with this kind of rest is that we end up with more work. So even if you're able to unplug for a while, go on a vacation, when you return to work, to work there's, there's more work left there, right? I mean, how many of us is a, ah, got my work done, going on vacation, go take a week off, come back, work piled that high? So how restful do you feel in that moment that you come back and your work just doubled? So that's what I'm trying to say, that, that rest isn't so much about the circumstance in your life as it is the condition of your heart. 
So when I say we need rest, it's not from your physical day-to-day activities because the more you take a break and some rest from that, the more work you're going to create for yourself. The times I run 1,000 miles an hour, then stop for a minute, then run 1,000 miles an hour, being busy, serving, it's because I'm not trusting God. When I'm running that way, I'm busy, 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 try to take a break, start, you know, just try to take a breather and then get busy, busy again, 1,000 miles an hour. It's because I'm not trusting God. Martha was not trusting God. At the end of the day, rest is a form of of worship or, 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 or trust. Rest is a, is a form of, of, of trust. I, I'm trusting God when I can be still and I can sit and rest while the world continues to go on around me. I'm trusting God. I can sit in the middle of that, in the midst of that, knowing that things are happening and I'm not a part of them and, and I'm not needed in those moments. That's trusting that, God, you got this. God, you, you have it. And so I trust you. I'm trusting God when I can be still and rest. And I turn the controls over to God when I rest. And rest allows me to see my deep, deep need for Jesus. I, it's in those moments where I stop for just a minute that I see my need for Jesus. This week when I was going through this text, it was a moment where I just had a pause. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm further away from you than I need to be right now. I'm so busy doing so many other things that I've lost sight of why I do what I do. And in those moments, that's why we need rest. That's why we need Sabbaths. That's why we need to just tap the brakes for a minute. Before we enter into this season, let's stop for just a minute and trust God. Let Him restore us. Do you have that rhythm of rest in your life? I'm not not asking you to look at me as an example of that. I hope we all see that we need this rhythm of rest in our life, creating space where we're allowing Jesus to restore our souls, not just to take a break from the busyness, not just to kind of stop for a minute and and put work on pause or take a vacation or take a nap or a break, but that we stop and we let Jesus restore our soul. So Mary's able to do this. She's able to sit while there's obviously lots of things to do. She's able to sit and in and, and, and her posture, it's, it's us being able to see that she can rest, that she can trust God. But not only that, she can worship. Like she can worship because of her posture. She wasn't just sitting there. Like she just wasn't sitting there and I'm resting. I'm just kind of resting in the presence of Jesus. She was listening to his teaching. She had a posture of, of worship. Sitting at his feet alone is a posture of humility and worship. The fact that I would sit at someone's feet and just listen to them, I just want you to see that as a posture of humility and a posture of worth and respect and honor. So just being there alone was an act of worship, but second, that she's engaged in what Jesus is doing. She's declaring with her posture that, hey, I'm not in control, and I don't need to be in control. Martha thinks she needs to be in control. I don't, I don't believe that. I trust God. I trust God in this moment. So because of who Mary is and because of who Jesus is, her response was just to be at, be at his feet in a posture of worship. Just to be there, to be in that moment and not looking for, well, um, after they roll out of here, we got these things to do. Like that she wasn't looking for the end of a season, to, to a conclusion of a season or a moment. She was just being in that moment. She was tapping the brakes for just a minute. And so what do you worship? 
Think about where you are right now. What do you worship? Whether you're a believer in here or not, we all worship something. Every single one of us. Something that is worth your energy and your time and your resources. What is that thing? Because whatever you can identify that thing, it, that, that becomes your God. That's, that's what you worship. And so, in, these recent, in this recent season, I've worshipped myself. I've worshipped what I've been able to do and accomplish. I've worshipped the things that I'm able to produce that's become my God. I've become my God. What do you worship? What do you give all of your time and resources to right now? That's your God. That's what you worship. And it's interesting because many would say that this, this right here, what we're experiencing right now in this moment is worship. Like a Sunday morning gathering. That's worship. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Or however we're going to uh, tag it. And while it is worship, it is a corporate way to practice what we should all be doing personally. So what we do here is practice for what each one of us individually should be doing day in and day out. And that's why we're so intentional about everything we do. You might not even realize how intentional we are with every moment of a Sunday morning worship gathering. But we are. Down to the way we, we, we order our, 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 our set list and, and of music and things like that. Uh, we've, we've heard many times that people come from a, a different church background. And they would say, hey, you guys seem to be doing things backwards here. Like you, normally you sing a bunch of songs and then you have a sermon and then you kind of conclude with a song. But you guys kind of flip it around and you sing a song and you, you have a teaching and then you kind of conclude with a, a, a set of worship songs. That's intentional. It's not just because we're trying to be different or be cutting edge. What we believe, so you can understand why we do what we do, is that we believe that worship is a response to this word and not the other way around. So it would, might, you might hear people say, well, we're preparing our hearts to receive the word. So we're going to sing songs and build up to this moment where we feed on the word. No, no, no. We, we worship out of a response for, from what we see here and what we know here. And that's, what, that's why we're intentional about the way we do. We're intentional in our giving. We don't pass a bucket around because we believe that out of, cheerful, out of a cheerful heart, you're going to give. And we're not going to coerce anybody to do anything. We want Jesus to do what he's going to do in each life. And you give as the Lord has led you to give. So there's a few different aspects of the way we, we do our, our, our worship gatherings here. But they're all intentional. And they're all on purpose because we care about your heart. We care about our heart. And so, yes, this can be a moment of worship for all of us, right? But it's just a practice for what we should be doing individually. So I don't, you know, I don't want you to think that um, your worship from day to day is to sing songs. It could be a form of it, but you have to be spending time in this word. Otherwise, you have no reference to what you're worshiping. We don't want you to feel like Sunday morning is the time where you should, that's where you give. But anytime you feel the Lord leading you to give wherever you're at, wherever you're in that moment, that's where you give. That's where you express generosity. So we do all of these things very, very intentionally. And we pray before each gathering that every one of these details would be about God and not about us. 
We've made, it, we've made it a rhythm in our Sunday mornings that David would take a group to the back in the gym back there and we would pray that, God, we don't want this to be about us. But when, when someone would walk away, they would walk away with Jesus on their lips and in their heart. But they wouldn't walk away with a, a song that we sang or, or how, it was, how well it was performed or how not so well it was performed or how well the message was, was, uh, was proclaimed or not, not so well but that Jesus would be on our hearts and in our crosshairs when we leave here. That's what we pray for. Because this is just a practice for how we're supposed to be living an individual life from day to day. So we have a choice to make, right? When we wake up every day, we have a choice to make. Do I live for myself or am I going to live for God today? That's a very broad choice, but that's re- the reality is we wake up and we're faced with that choice every single day. And odds are, if you're not in a posture like Mary, you're going to be living for yourself. Odds are, if I'm not in a posture like Mary, I'm going to be living for myself. I'm going to be serving out of my own self-validation and self-satisfaction. Um, and there's a lot more time and energy spent thinking about myself than there's thinking about God on a weekly basis. I could just be honest with you. I spend a lot more time thinking about my own circumstance, my own situation, than I do think about God. And it's, so I'm choosing, I'm making a choice in that moment. I'm living for me and not for God in that moment. So what's it going to be? Jesus tells Martha, you're missing one thing. You're missing one thing. And when you and I are anxious and troubled about these things, we're, we're, we're missing this one thing. When we find ourselves... Weary, busy, not really sure why we're doing what we're doing. It's because we're not focused on the one thing. We're missing the one thing. So we've identified that this one thing is Jesus. That's the one thing. And if we have that, if we don't miss that, it's something that's never going to be taken from us. Jesus said, that won't be taken from Mary. So she's validated. She's accepted because she, she's, she's engaged in that one thing. And so let this one thing always be on our mind. Especially as we enter into the Christmas holidays. Let this one thing be on our mind. Not who I need to buy gifts for. When are we going to get together? The stuff that I need to pick up. Do this running around. Worrying about all of these things. But this one thing, let it always be on our mind. And let this one thing check our hearts when we're tempted to complain about our troubles. Let this one thing, this one thing that is Jesus, check our hearts when we want to complain about something or whine about something. So no, no, you're, you're, if, you, if that's where you are, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. I need you to tap the brakes. Let this one thing And I want you guys to listen to me well. Let this one thing catch our attention when we want to look back on the past. How I I haven't been doing well this year, guys. I'm I'm trying to tell you all that. I'm confessing that to you today. I haven't been doing well this year. And I I had this tendency to want to look back and say, man, I've just really kind of kicked it in cruise control all year and just kind of worked and, and served out of my own fuel. Let this one thing catch our attention. Let this one thing catch my attention. Not to look at that as what's going to identify me moving forward, moving into this season. And let this one thing always, always, always be a source 
of our identity, be the source of our identity, not in what we're, the season we're in, the trouble we're in, the anxiety or worry we're in, but this one thing, Jesus.